Hello and welcome to Screening the Word. Welcome to those who are watching it at the Patmos channel over at YouTube. And to those that are watching it from the Savage Viewpoint at Rumble. To those that are hearing it from the Revelation Podcast over at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor. I would like to welcome you as well. Now, with screening the word, we've been going to the second letter of John. John is writing to the church in Ephesus, and he's reminding them things that they have learned. And we are seeing that in verse 8. Last week, I began... Well, the first part of verse 8, watch yourselves. And to kind of go over that quickly with watch yourselves, John gives the church a fair warning unto be alert. And that's why he says, watch yourselves. And throughout the New Testament letters, we see the apostles tell the church that Christ will return like a thief in the night. And even Christ himself told the apostles and his disciples that his return will be like a thief of the night. So John has a church in Ephesus on alert. They are sober and they should be ready. Watch yourselves. Now, we are going on into the second part of 2 John chapter 1, verse 8. Verse 8 is very short, and you probably can memorize it within five minutes. And yet, there's so much stuff in here that I had to make verse 8 into three parts. So we're onward to the second part. And the second part is, after watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for. So that you may not lose what we have worked for. Now before I get into it with other scripture verses to see what John was meaning when he said this, I want to give you an example. And the example I want to use is dictators and hostage takers we know about them obviously those are evil people that take the control of people's lives by force people in China cannot just leave communist China they're not like the United States where if I decide that I want to go in another state like Texas then I'm free to go People in communist China can't just leave China because they are under a dictatorship. This dictatorship controls their lives. In the United States, we don't like that kind of life. If a person tries to force their control over our lives, then we will not like that at all. We would also call that person a dictator. Now, 
there's a lot of people in the church that believe in the doctor, but once saved, always saved. They believe that once you're saved, that you cannot lose your salvation. They believe that once you're saved, that God will never let go of you, even if you want to leave. Now think about those things as we go on in 2 John chapter 1, verse 8. Put those things in the back of your mind because I'll go to them and try to create a parallel so that we could see the fallacy of once saved, always saved. And if you look at this verse right here, watch yourself so that you may not lose what we have worked for. So you may not lose what we have worked for goes against the doctrine once saved, always saved. This verse will not fit in the doctrine once saved, always saved. And remember, the Word of God, everything is put together perfectly. And when things sound confusing or it doesn't sound like it's put together perfectly, then chances are that man put his doctrine to get what it says. When man adds his words, he ends up taking out the words of God. And so there's a lot of confusion. Now, the Bible is very, very clear about God, and that is he is not confusing at all. And when we interpret the word through the spirit, we see that the word of God is a spiritual doctrine meant for people that have been born again of the spirits. Now, those who are seeking God and not been born again, obviously, will take them to the Gospels. That's where they need to go. Of course, they could begin to go anywhere, and it's all going to take them to what the Word is about. And it's about God, and it's about how we can have a relationship with Him. All right, so let us go onward. So that you may not lose what we have worked for. I know I've been repeating that sentence quite a bit, and we are going to go into other scriptures to see what John means on, so that you may not lose what we have worked for. Let's go to Matthew, Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7 at verse 14. Actually, let's go at verse 13. This is part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus tells the multitudes, Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide, and the way is easy. That leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. So what Jesus says right here is that there will be a lot of people that will willingly take the easy way. And he says that way will lead to destruction. Unfortunately, we have a lot of pastors that teach once saved, always saved. That teaching are leading the people down the wide way. And that leads to destruction. In verse 14, Jesus talks about his way. This is his way. For the gate is narrow, 
And the way is hard. It's hard because there's going to be a lot of persecution, suffering, and tribulation along the way. And the narrow way is hard that leads to life. The narrow way is his way, and it leads to life. And those who find it are few. Now, let's see on what it's going to be like for those who have been led astray on the easy way. In Matthew chapter 7, still, verses 21 to 23. Look at what Jesus says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God. Just because that you believe in Jesus doesn't mean that you'll enter into the kingdom of God. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, those that obey God will enter into his kingdom. I mean, when I think about this, I think about John chapter 15, the Bible chapter, the Bible chapter, John chapter 15. Oops. The Abide in Me chapter. Verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, in other words, if you don't obey him, even though you believe in him, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. And if you look at the beginning of this verse, Jesus says, I am the true vine. You know, he's a life source. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away and puts him into a fire. And every branch does not bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So we must obey God. We must obey Him. We must believe in Him and we must obey Him. When we decide to say yes to Jesus, that means we will obey Him. Let me look at it further down here in verse 10. If you keep my commandments, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. From this verse, we need to ask the question of, what if we don't obey His commandments? Then what will happen to us? I think a good verse to see is Revelation chapter 3, verse 5. Revelation chapter 3, verse 5 is John's letter to the church in Sardis. And let me kind of change the color of the highlight because I know when it goes online, that blue is kind of hard to see. So this verse is kind of like one of my go-to verses. A lot of them. Okay. I'm going to wait till this thing kind of slides. Okay, there we go. 
The church in Sardis, he writes. And remember, this church in Sardis, they are the dead church. They're dying. But there's a few people that are still alive. And Jesus talks about them. And we see that. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, The words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive. In other words, they look like they're alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains is about to die. This church right here, they went from the narrow path to the wide path. They were on the easy path. And they had that same that mentality that they say, Lord, Lord, that they will get into the kingdom of heaven. But that's not so. Jesus is warning them. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. I have not found your works. So a lot of Christians say, oh, it's not about works or anything. Well, those that say that or preach that are wrong. I mean, let's go on into James. James chapter 2. I'll go back into Revelation and then from Revelation, I'll go back to Matthew. But look at what it says in James chapter 2. Now, those that preach once saved, always saved, avoids the book of James. Because if they go to the book of James, the book of James will prove that what they are teaching is wrong. So they will not include the book of James. In fact, Martin Luther doesn't think the book of James should be in the Bible because it shows that what he is teaching is wrong. Look at what it says. Faith without works is dead. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking daily food, and one says to them, go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. In other words, if you don't have fruit, even though you claim to abide in Jesus, then your faith is dead. You are dying. You are like the church in Sardis. And let's go back to Revelation chapter 3 and see what Christ says to them about that. After he told them that I have not found your works complete. Remember that what you have received and heard. They have received the word. They have received the teachings of Jesus. Keep it. In other words, guard it. Wake up so that you do not lose what we have worked for. And after Jesus says that, he says, keep it and repent from your dead works repent now remember john is writing to believers he's not writing to unbelievers he's writing to believers and this is jesus speaking jesus is speaking to the believers and he tells them to repent now if once saved always saved why is jesus telling them to repent if once saved, always saved, basically means I can live my life however I want to because I'm always saved. Then why is Jesus telling the church that's living like once saved, always saved to repent? And look at where he goes from. 
If you will not wake up, look at it, boom, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. If they don't repent, he's not coming to get them. He's coming against them. Yet, you have a, still a few names in Sardis. People who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white. These are the people that even though they are in a dead church, these people decide that they're going to stay on a narrow path, that they're going to obey the will of God. For they are worthy, and they'll have eternal life. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments. The one who conquers are the ones who have not soiled their garments, and those that have soiled their garments have a chance to repent. And if they do, the one who conquers will clothe thus in white garments. And I will never blot his name out of the book of life. Those that obey Christ by abiding in him to bear fruit are the ones that are on the narrow path and they will have eternal life. Those that believe in Jesus but have works that are dead must repent. Those that live and believe and have dead works are dying. Their garments are soiled. They got their garments soiled by taking the easy path, like once saved, always saved. And Jesus is telling the people in Sardis to repent. Keep with what you have. Guard with what I have given you. See, with what I'm teaching here fits to 2 John chapter 1, verse 8. So that you may not lose what we have worked for. What we have worked for is on the narrow way. And is not the easy way. Now let's go back and swing back to Matthew chapter 7. Verses 21 and 23. Now, when we were here, I just read verse 21, and then we went down to the church of Sardis, then we bounced over to the letter of James, and then we went back to Sardis, and we're back here, and see how everything connects See how everything goes against once saved, always saved? You see how once saved, always saved doesn't fit the word of God. And I'm looking right at the words of Christ. You can't argue against Christ. If you try to argue against Christ, then you're basically calling him a liar. Because this is what he said. Verse 22. On that day... Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, 
Did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? Now remember, only way people that could prophesy, cast out demons, and do mighty works are those who have been born of the Spirit. And they've done a lot of great things. But they were not doing it unto obedience to Christ, but they were doing it unto themselves, to bring glory to themselves. And this is what Jesus says to them. And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Wow. There are many people that will claim to have done great works, but they are doing it with dead faith. So that you may not lose what we have worked for. Now, I want to continue to go down on the wide path so that we can see what it's like and that is not for those who are born of the Spirit. And we're still going to be in Matthew. And we're going to the parable of the wedding feast. Matthew chapter 22, verses 11 through 14. Matthew chapter 22, verses 11 through 14. Now, this part of the parable is the man who went into the wedding feast and he did not have a wedding garment. Well, when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. The wedding, gar the wedding garment represents the new body that people get when they get into heaven. When we get into heaven, We'll have a brand new body that's no longer corrupt. But this man right here was never born of the Spirit. He thought by his own works and merits or on his time that he could enter into the kingdom of heaven whenever he wants to. So all based upon him and not about Jesus. And Jesus in the parable, in this parable is the groom. And the bride in here is the church. And he said to him, this is God talking to him. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king, Jesus, said to the attendants, bind him in foot and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Whenever you see this phrase, weeping and gnashing of teeth, refers to hell for many are called but few are chosen whoever calls upon the lord name of the lord shall be saved god does not show partiality when we believe in once saved always saved we make god to be who he is not and that is partial god is not partial once saved, always saved. Once saved, always saved. Basically, says is that God selected certain people to be saved and certain people not to be saved. And see how that goes against His teaching, where He talks about whoever calls upon the name of the Lord can 
be saved. And I think we're going to be surprised on who got in heaven and who did not get in heaven. Now, it's not our job to say, hey, that person's going to go to heaven and that person's not going to go to heaven. And let me show you why. In Romans chapter 10, it's pretty clear on why we should not do that. In Romans 10. In Romans chapter 10, beginning from verses 6. But the righteous based on faith says, so if you know, if you're born again in the Spirit, you're not going to do this. But the righteous based on faith says, do not say in your heart who will send into heaven. In other words, don't say who is saved. That is to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the abyss, or no words, hell. That is to bring up Christ from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. When we are born of the Spirit, the Spirit of truth will guide us. And it will remind us of all the things that Christ has said to us. But only a few have that. Not based upon works but based upon belief in Jesus. And when we say, yes, Lord, we say, yes, we will obey your commands. Now, the question I asked early on, well, what happens if I don't obey Christ? Well, I think when we went to Sardis, we found out what will happen. And let's go back there in case some of you guys forgot. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 5, he says right here, The one who conquers, and the obedient ones, the one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, will have new heavenly bodies. And I will never blot out his name out of the book of life. So if I decide not to obey Christ and if I decide not to be obedient in him, my name will be blotted out of the book of life. Watch yourselves. In 2 John chapter 1, verse 8. Watch yourselves. Be alert, because the day of the Lord is coming like a thief in the night. There's a lot of people that are living their lives however they want to. And they will be surprised on the day of the Lord. They will be surprised to see those who have been dead in him rise in heaven and those who have been on earth rise in heaven while they're still down here. They took the easy way. They did not guard with what Christ has given them. They lived their lives their ways while thinking that, hey, if I just believe in Jesus, it's okay. But check this out in James. James chapter 2. Going back to James chapter 2. I love what James says right here. James chapter 2. Look at what he says about those that just believe. Verse 19. You believe that God is one. And again, remember, James is talking to believers, not unbelievers. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. The demons believe and shudder. 
Christians today that receive once saved, always saved, just believe, but they do not shudder. And look at what John says. John is going to say, watch yourselves and everything will be okay. He says, watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for. So you may not lose what we have worked for. Christians are not guarding their salvation. Now, when I say that, it sounds like I'm saying that it's works-based. And it's not works-based at all. Salvation is not work-based. Because if that was the case, then no one can be saved. The only way that we can be saved is by believing in Jesus and receiving the gift of salvation. And when I say, yes, Jesus... I make a commitment to him. And Jesus says, if you love me, then you'll keep my commandments. And he told the church in Sardis that if your faith is dead, in other words, if you continue to wear soil garments and don't repent, I will blot out your name out of the book of life. What does I will blot out your name in the book of life mean? What does that indicate? Like if you were a guest at someone's wedding and they erased your name, can you still go to the wedding? No. You've been disinvited. And same way, when Jesus blots out your name from the book of life, you've been disinvited from heaven. Now Jesus has given us time, just like he has given the church in Sardis time. He told them to repent or I'm coming against you. You see how the Bible does not teach once saved, always saved. Now, people want to bring Paul into this. So let's go. Let's bring what Paul into this. What does Paul say about all this? In 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Verse 27. And look, at this is Paul. But I discipline my body and keep it under control. Now, why would Paul need to keep his body under control if he preached once saved, always saved? That doesn't make any sense. It's kind of like when you go to the buffet. When you go to the buffet, you're going to eat everything. Why are you going to eat everything? Because it's all you can eat. And you're stuffing your face with food. And all of a sudden, the owner says, hey, you need to stop eating. And you're going to look at like, why should I stop eating? Why? Is this a buffet that's all you can eat, right? Well, yeah, but, you know. See, once saved, always saved is kind of like that, you know, where... That's what a lot of people think. They can live their lives however they're going to live because it doesn't matter. They're saved. But the Bible is like that manager that tells them, hey, no, you can't live your life that way. Because if you live your life, if you don't live under control, you're going to be disqualified. And that's why Paul kept himself under control. But I discipline my body and I keep it under control, lest after preaching to others... I myself should be disqualified. What would Paul be disqualified from? Some people may say, oh, he might be disqualified from preaching. 
No, no, no. I mean, we've had pastors that have messed up and they've come back redeemed, you know. And I'm sure if, you know, for example, Peter, Peter messed up, you know, when he denied Jesus. He came back. Judas betrayed Jesus and he didn't come back because his heart was seared. He did not want to believe in Jesus. He didn't want to longer follow in Jesus. He didn't no longer receive Jesus for who he was. Judas sold his soul to the devil. And when people continue to live their lives once saved, then they are setting themselves by having themselves sell to the devil. And therefore, they're no longer under control and they will be disqualified. Paul knew this. And that's why he guarded his heart. He lived his life in the spirit and not according to the flesh. Because he knew if I live my life according to the flesh... I'm no longer living under control. And that is the easy, broad path that leads to death. So, if we live in a way that we should not live in, then we will be disqualified and we will lose what we have worked for. So we may not lose for what we have worked for. Now, John is not talking about the church. Understand? A lot of people think, oh, John's talking, he might be talking about the church here. No. Even if people fall away from Christ, God's kingdom is still coming. God's kingdom is not based upon the amount of numbers or anything like that. We know that God's kingdom is going to come when the last person hears the gospel. Now, when the last person hears the gospel, it does not necessarily mean that person is going to be saved. I mean, we don't know that. I hope that would be the case. But we know God's kingdom will come when everyone has heard the gospel. Then the end will come. And so we don't know when that day is going to come. That day is coming like a thief in the night and so we have to be ready we have to watch ourselves so that we may not lose what we have worked for and what john is talking about is our salvation that is what he is talking about he's not talking about the church he's not talking about god's kingdom i mean the body of christ is going to continue to grow no matter those that leave or those that people have lost their salvation. Remember, few are chosen. Many are called, but few are chosen. Now, what causes people to eventually lose their salvation? Well, let's look into Hebrews chapters. Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. And then we'll go to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Now again, Paul's writing to Timothy. And he's writing to believers. And Paul talks this to them. Now, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart no someone will depart 
from the faith. They will leave. You know, I always thought, you know, once they've always said, always taught us, you know, once God has in your hands, he's never going to let you go. But look at what Paul says, right? Now, the Spirit expressed that later in time, some will depart from the faith. It means that they were in the faith, but they depart. See how this teaches against once saved, always saved? By devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teaching of demons. In other words, they became practitioners of darkness and not practitioners of light. Through the insincerity of liars, they will be taught by false teachers that will scratch their ears and give them false doctrines as once saved, always saved, whose conscience are seared. In other words, those that depart from the faith and that they walk according to their flesh will have their conscience seared. And this is what happens once they have their conscience seared. Let us go into Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 through 8. You know what it says? Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4. For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, and have shared in the Holy Spirit, now, how can people share in the Holy Spirit by being born of the Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the age to come and they have fallen away to restore again to repentance since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and hold Him up to content. So in other words, that they chosen the world over God for land that has drunk the rain, that often falls on it, and produces a crop useful to those for whose sakes it is cultivated, receive a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed, and it ends is to be burned. Remember, those that don't bear fruit in Christ will be burned in fire. In other words, they will be sent out of a place that is of weeping and gnashing of teeth. And remember, whenever we see weeping and gnashing of teeth, that refers to hell. Now, we see this idea that people follow God, but they decide to walk according to flesh. And we even see that in the Old Testament. And we see that reference in the New Testament. Look at Jude chapter 1, verse 5. Jude chapter 1, verse 5. Jude chapter 1. Now, I want to remind you, although you once knew it, that Jesus, who saved a people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. Now, this is talked in, in the past, in the Old Testament. And look at what it says in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, where Paul warns the church about idolatry. Again, once saved, always saved. If we're saved, once saved, always saved, then why is Paul going to warn the church about idolatry? 
you know, someone's going to say, oh, well, you know, we should live, you know, we should obey Christ and we should follow him. But if I'm saved, always saved, then why am I going to live according to the words of Christ? You know, someone say, oh, well, then you were never really saved. There are believers in James that believe, and remember, they believe, and John points, I mean, James points out to them that the demons believe, and they tremble. And then when we say once saved, always saved, that's going to give us a mentality of not trembling. That's going to give us a mentality of not guarding our salvation. That's going to give us a mentality that, hey, I can live according to my flesh, and it's okay. That's going to give everyone that kind of mentality. And if you don't think that, then you're in self-denial. I mean, look at if once saved, always saved, what's the point of Paul warning against adultery? Remember, he's writing to believers. You see how once saved, always saved, it doesn't fit into the Bible? Once saved, always saved is the tares that the enemy planted in the church. And it's caused a lot of problems. And that's why church is messed up because of that. Four... I do not want to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and passing through the sea, and all were baptized in Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Christ is the one that provided them the water. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, these things took place example for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. Notice that, not desire evil as they did. Well, if you take that once saved, always saved, you're easily going to want to desire evil. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose to play. We must not indulge in sexual morality, or as someone did, and 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to a test, as some of them did, and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble, as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. These people that were in Egypt, Christ rescues them from Egyptian bondages, and he's getting ready to bring them into the promised land. Now, out of the bunch, only two of them went in from that group, and that was Joshua and Caleb. Moses did not give God the respect that he deserved. So Moses could not enter into the promised land. And neither did Aaron. And neither did the rest of the Israelites that were in Egypt. Because a lot of them disobeyed God. A lot of them did not watch out. And so they lost what was given to them. So 2 John chapter 1, verse 8. Watch yourselves. So that you may not lose what we have worked for. Let me go to that verse so we can see it again, because it's that important. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for. So that you may not lose what we have worked for refers to our salvation. We see that throughout the word of God that people can lose their salvation if they do not obey Christ. Remember, Christ says, if you love me, then you'll obey my commandments. And he told the church in Sardis, the ones that soiled their garments and had 
dying faith that if they don't repent, then they will have their names written out of the book of life. And what is said in Revelation chapter 3, verse 5, is also seen in 2 John chapter 1, verse 8. Watch yourselves. In other words, be alert. Watch yourselves so you may not lose what we have worked for. Therefore, again, watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for refers to losing your salvation. All right. I went a little longer than I wanted to. And so the next time that we do Screening the Word, we'll finish up 2 John chapter 1, verse 8. And I don't think it'll be long as this part. Thank you for listening and may God bless you.